What is going on anyway? <laughs> Hello. Welcome or welcome back to What is Going On Anyway? I'm Anne Headley and this is my podcast. It's a bi-weekly podcast on every new and full moon. I spend some time and inquire about what's to come and how my inner world relates to the outer world. Then I share it with you, and I'm so glad that you're here with me. This week, we've got a new buck moon showing up for us, and I keep getting this desire to talk about fixing and mending and repairing and I don't know what the hexagram has in store for us yet and I'm very curious about that we'll find out what hexagram shows up for us in a little while but for now I just want to draw in this concept of what is fixing mending and repairing to me what is it to you and how does that show up in our world? What things need fixing, repairing, and mending? And what things are we encouraged? God, what's going on with my belly? <laughs> what things are we encouraged to dismiss, disregard, throw away, overconsume rather than attend to? I've been neighbors with my friend Jackie for 23 years. We didn't start off as friends. In that time, our friendship grew and it grew around gardening and artistry and memories of us both living in New York City. She taught me about French food, about watercolor, design, fashion. We shared our love of dance and so much more. I've brought my yoga to her and my children have been woven into her daily life. It's a long, rich history and it's not anything that I planned or I expected out of life. I know that you can often have good neighbors or good friends, but it's rarely both. And I can see my good fortune. And honestly, I have worked deliberately to make this happen. There were times that it wasn't easy. I've compromised, I've made adjustments, and I've worked on repair to create something lasting between 136 and 178 Magog Road. She most recently taught a Mending Matters workshop for MOFCA, which is the Maine Organic Farmers and Gardeners Association. And before she taught this class, we had a long conversation about mending, and we concluded or maybe I was being very persuasive around the idea that when we are attending to mending a thing, we're doing what can be done in the spirit of what we would hope for the process of fixing, repairing, mending larger issues in the world. But we can only attend to the small thing that our hands can manage presently. Jackie asked me to write out some of the ideas that we discussed so she could share it in her workshop. And I wrote this and it came out like a blessing. Because we know our hands are not big enough or nimble enough or adept in the ways 
of solving all the sorrows and pains on this earth, we make a prayer to this one bit of mending that we can attend. We mend and weave and knit and sew our hearts into a form that attends to the heart of all fixing. We know that this is the desire to bring things together, to make new, and sometimes to make better something that has worn out. All matter comes from matter after all, and is a complex reconfiguring again and again. We know this is a constant dance of material life, and we observe that complexity with this work of mending. As we move our hands today, may we also move the great non-physical hands of mending and fixing and taking what is old and giving it new life. Mending is a spiritual act. As we mend or knit or patch something today, we also know that we are attending to a greater need of mending and fixing and patching this world where we find ourselves. Isn't this also a form of activism to attend slowly to things that matter? We attend to the small holes because we can. And as we attend to the small holes, may our work extend in this generous spirit of bringing awareness to holes that cannot be patched and that cannot be easily fixed yet need attention. As our imagination fixes these small matters, may it enrich our ability to imagine larger mendings. This handwork is essential to the human spirit because there are only so many things that we can touch with our hands. And so as we touch these fibers today, may we also extend this act to our spirits and to all non-physical things that want this careful appreciation. I think many of you have heard this sound which is my favorite studio instrument. And it's a gift from my father. He handed me this pot lid one day and didn't do a whole lot of explaining, but showed me that it did this. And I think it's one of my favorite gifts that I ever got from my dad. I use it all the time. It's a beautiful sound. Today, as I'm recording this, I got a text from my mom reminding me that it's been eight years since my dad died. And I'm thinking about how being friendly with dying is its own kind of mending. When someone we love dies, we have to negotiate our relationships with them across the seemingly insurmountable obstacle of death or them not having a body for us to relate to anymore. Having to confront that portal is 
obviously the conversation of the sages. We read about that. The bringing death into the conversation is a great spiritual practice. How we approach this is our own way of stitching and mending that seeming to be brokenness with our aliveness. I guess it's all how you view it, but death can feel like quite a big hole to patch, even with our pets, especially with our pets, that we have this wide open ability to unconditionally love our pets. Most of us do. And when they go, we have to somehow learn how to incorporate that unconditional love that we experienced so richly and fully while they were with us into our lives as we know it. I wrote this poem and I recently shared it with my friend who we have begun sitting on a porch together and sharing poetry and also all kinds of conversations. I'm sharing that with you because I want to spark your imagination about the things that you can do that enrich your life in ways that could never be, mm, you, you know, you can't sign up for that online. Eh, that's a longer conversation, but what are the most simple ways that we can create the lives that we want to have? And one of those things for me is sitting and, and sharing poetry and ideas. The poem is raw, unedited. I wrote it all at once while I was inspired. I was surrounded by mosquitoes and hemlocks in the very woods while I was having a flush of memories. And I suppose poetry is one of the ways that I symbolically mend my hurts and my difficult life experiences. And I think I'd like to share it with you right now. It's titled, When I Didn't Know. When I didn't know that my dad wasn't going to see another year, yet I knew he was more fragile, I just didn't know. I brought him on a walk with me to a favorite spot, a secret spot, and he stumbled and struggled to make it over the roots and through the low branches of the balsam trees and the overturned logs, but he came anyway and I couldn't tell him that the spot was sacred to me, but I wanted him to know it. I wanted his sacredness to harmonize with mine. And somehow I was always searching for confirmation that he saw something special in me. And always I wanted someone who had any authority at all to tell me it was okay to be the human I imagined I was from the inside. And I tried and I tried and I tried. It was the first time I noticed that he would die the way his body couldn't manage the earth anymore. I didn't think it was strange how he couldn't speak to that frailty. He seemed embarrassed and ashamed. I can't imagine what it was that I wanted to hear exactly. Probably something like, you really know these woods and you love nature and you're a good finder. Since he died, 
I started looking for that confirmation inside of me. And luckily, I am a good finder. You are so in love with these woods. I can see that. It is so obvious, and your relationship is quite beautiful. I'm inspired by how much you love and how love returns to you and the way you receive it. I can hear that now. The brook is making a trickling sound where it's full enough for the trout to swim upstream and the dryness hasn't returned for the season and has its own kind of harmony with the wind in the hemlock branches. Most times I want to share this magic and I try and I'll bring someone here. And sometimes it's as if we've transported to a place where the beauty has dried up because they can't hear it yet. And it makes me a little sad. So mostly I do this alone. And I send messages from this place or this portal that only appears when I wander and stay long enough. Thank you for sitting on the virtual porch with me and listening to my poetry. I think it's important to share words that we are inspired by, whether we write them or we collect them, because we all need to understand what inspires us and how we can take that and stitch it into our lives and make that a kind of repair. I know I might be overdoing it with this sim this symbolic talk. <laughs> I get that. I can hear that. But we need to make decisions about what things are beyond repair. What is okay to just leave undone? You know, as a recovering codependent, I used to be frantically going around repairing, wasn't what wasn't mine to repair. Some people call that saving strangers. And this is really interesting to me because in my family, saving strangers is so noble and irreproachable. Like you can ignore the kids, uh, meals can go astray if anyone is saving a stranger. The funny part is that that stranger has to be like, a poor baby or someone that is clearly needing help, stray animals, but it's someone that's rarely asking for help. And if you've ever, you just imagine being one of my kids and we're driving somewhere and there's a dog that clearly has a home, but I'm sure that they're stray and we should stop everything and be late for our appointment to save this dog. That's what I'm talking about, saving strangers type, type stuff. So it's kind of like, you can see there's a comedy in that of insisting on helping when no one's asking for help. It's like needing someone or something to fill the counterpart, the role of the counterpart to my goodness. So it's clearly true. I am good needing that, that confirmation, needing that validation. What I'm trying to do now as the recovering codependent is to make good decisions that don't betray myself or those that I love the most dearly, that are the closest to my heart. And that means that sometimes 
I can let some things go. But how do I know what to let go? That knowing, that decision-making is artistry, right? We're talking about that artistry, or I was in the last episode, we're talking about how artistry comes from deep within where we feel rooted and supported, and then we play with our ideas and then lift that up into the third chakra. And that's where decision-making happens, that if we want to see something through to completion, we have to make choices about what stays and what goes. And that's what I'm talking about with this construct of repair and symbolic repair, symbolic mending, is we're going to have to make decisions about what stays and what goes as we create the world that we wish to live in or the homes that we wish to live in. I'm not trying to make it, it can be as big or as little as you can imagine. These concepts go all the way out and all the way in. So I'm thinking about my decision making as another aspect of my artistry. And I'm contemplating that art is a generative force originating at the second chakra. And that's where we play. And there isn't a wrong way to play. Play exists when we're safe and we're guided by our desire. And when it comes to that decision-making, it insists that there's some passion in the mix, some kind of want or some kind of reason that you want to make a decision. And I'm contrasting that for myself, where most of the time I'm making decisions based on what I think other people might like or other people might approve of or give me validation for. So it seems to me there's quite a lot of reform needed in myself and probably other people about really basic levels of decision-making coming from an integrated place inside of us that really makes sense to us where we're casting our true vote for our integrated, passionate selves. Does that make sense? I have to listen back to this to even see if that makes sense. But as I consider what this new earth that Eckhart Tolle promised me and a lot of other people, I can see how it has to do with the way I make a decision is also the way I bring my particular artistry into the world or my individual self-expression into the world. when we look at the world the way it is, sometimes we're not going to need a completely new earth, right? But we're going to need to do a lot of mending and repairing of ideas and systems that might be nearly right or half right or good in theory, but need reform. And I suspect that none of us can do any full repair. 
but we might be able to make a stitch or a symbolic stitch in the repair or mending that needs doing socially, economically, ecologically. There's so many ways we can live in a kinder and more just world. Education like could be less hierarchical and more democratic. Healthcare could be not-for-profit. We can think of, actually, I love doing this. Um, I keep this ongoing list of the ways that the world could be better. I don't always get every one. So if you're not on this list, text me. <laughs> Tell me to put your idea on the list. I think it's really valuable to be the secretary for a list like this. Um, the top of my list says dreams of a new world, in parentheses. Everyone has them. I wish we could share fertility better as humans. That's Chris. I wish public schools were community centers for lifelong learning. I wish their cafeterias were food banks, their gyms were YMCAs, their libraries merged with local libraries, their parks and gardens and greenhouses and art rooms a resource for all. That's Anne. I wish fairies were free to all the islands. That's Marty. I wish that death was honored as sacred. That's Kat. I wish everyone has access to food. That's Jason. So please do send me your ideas. I do honestly, seriously, even though it's a little funny to me, I feel like I'm doing important work by keeping this, this, this log of the dreams of a new world. I don't know what the hexagram has for us in store, but I do think it's right to talk about mending, repairing, what needs fixing, what needs fixing in our outer world, what needs fixing in our inner world, what needs fixing in our community, what needs fixing in our home, literally, like what is the list of repair projects that you've got going on? What's ready to be composted, decomposed? Sometimes burning is the right thing. I had this pair of PJs that Jason gave me and I loved them so much. They're red moose PJs that say Alaska on them. And he had already given them a full life, then gave them to me and I wore them until the knee gave way and the crotch split open. And, and then I wore them a little bit more. And I saved them thinking I could cut them up and make something with the scrap flannel. But just this past week, I had the sewing machine out and I thought, wait a second, maybe I could just repair them. And I did. And they're good. They're not perfect, but they're sleepable now. And I've got my favorite PJ pants back at least for a year or so. And that's a simple decision. But in that very moment, it was the right mending choice for me. And I guess I'm giving you this example because I want to point out that this artistry that I was talking about isn't necessarily anything grand, though it certainly could be. But I think it can be like how I was moving past the balsam fur and the tips are so soft and new right now. And I grabbed a few and I just ate some. And it's a little intense, that taste, but I still wanted that flavor somehow. 
So I brought some more home and I put it in a jar with some salt to see if I can get some balsam infused salt to cook with. And this is like an everyday kind of letting my artistry seep out to the edges of my life. It's a way of being in relationship with so many aspects of what I see and feel and taste. All of my senses are awakened to be creatively stirred. And I wish that for us to have these rich, full lives because we're open and curious about possibilities and that our senses are open to new considerations. And I think it's time to reach in now and figure out what does the I Ching have for us? What is it that we don't know? We've got a new moon in front of us and solstice is nearly upon us. What can we expect out of these next two weeks? What's the best thing for us to hold in consideration as we move into a new moon time? Dear universe, dear unknown, dear God, what would you have us know? And what can we understand about this next moment in time for us? The hexagram that we receive is 44, changing lines three, four, five, and six. And it's often known as coming to meet. It can be known as coupling, which can be interesting for this time of year. This is the seasons are coupling as we go to solstice, right? Think about how the spring is meeting summer, but summer is meeting fall is meeting winter so that equality of light and darkness is a kind of coming to meet i'm going to read to you from total eaching 44 coupling welcome encounter open yourself to intense contact all forms of sexual intercourse the Lady of Fate, act through the yin, site of creative transformation, a seed figure. Break things up and you will necessarily meet the new fate. Accept this and use the energy of coupling. This means encountering and meeting. I didn't give you the weather report. It's been fairly unremarkable. Maybe, I mean, we did have all of the wildfire smoke on the east coast that was pretty astonishing and striking and that real sense of everyone being concerned about oh the environment really really matters not just in theory but it matters when it affects us so strongly but more recently the weather has been kind of filled with humidity and it's that kind of humidity that mosquitoes just seem to swim around in like their home territory. So we've had lots of mosquito activity and it's made being in the garden an interesting experience of quick decision making and I only do a little bit at a time. I can't really just go through and fulfill a whole project and get all of my planning and weeding and all the things that I want to do done because I get overwhelmed with bug bites. And so I, and I know I just don't like bug suits and I 
don't really like bug spray. <laughs> so I just wait for bug season to be over. But it's an interesting way of having to deal with the decision making that I'm talking about where I get really focused and I do the things and you can tell what's important to me. A lot of times it's flowers, but you can tell what's important to me because I focus on and do those things. And hopefully it will start to dissipate and there will be more time for longer projects and, and gardening and focus in the garden. But that's my weather report for now. Coupling is the appearance of the fate announced by an oracle's message. It is the procession of the royal bride, her appearance at the borders and her journey to the sacred marriage that will produce an heir and renew the time. Can we just think about that as, as solstice? So think about solstice as the, the season changing, the sacred marriage of the light and the dark that produces an heir and renews the time. Coupling is the appearance of the fate announced by an oracle's message. It is the procession of the royal bride, her appearance at the borders and her journey to the sacred marriage that will produce an heir and renew the time. She is the strong or invigorating woman, queen, empress, mistress, ruler, anima figure, the one who distributes the fates. She symbolizes the return of the feminine power, of desire, joy, beauty, the ability to manifest and take pleasure in life. And isn't that summer too, that, that warmth that allows us just that little bit of openness and freedom, the abundance of foods, the extra time of day to enjoy life with. She symbolizes the return she brings strange encounters with a spirit, an ancestor, a king. She inaugurates the river mountain festivals and all forms of coupling and mating, the brief encounters when people meet and take joy in each other. She presides over the autumn marriages and the omen of fertility. This is the young ancestress coming back from the mountain after receiving the spirit or the appearance of the royal bride and her entourage at the borders. It is the weaver girl crossing the river of stars on a bridge of magpies, the lover's bird to mate with the draft ox on the feast of women, the seventh day of the seventh moon. The great injunction here is not to grasp the woman, not to take this queen by force, but rather to help her on her journey to the king and the royal marriage, for in that, is the inauguration of a new order, a containing beauty that tumbles down from heaven. Coupling, or coming to meet, describes your situation in terms of opening yourself to welcome what comes. You can deal with it by realizing that the brief and intense moment of encounter reflects a connection of the primal powers. Don't try to control it. The connection is there even if it seems accidental. The woman and the yin are full of invigorating strength. Don't try to grasp and hold on to things. What seems a brief contact connects you with creative force. This time we have many changing lines, moving to hexagram seven. So I want to read some of the wisdom from the changing lines. 
You will have to confront your past, but don't give in. Find and believe in your central idea and you will gather new friends. Don't get involved in quarrels and wrangles. Find supportive friends. Gather energy for a decisive new move. Subtly penetrate to the core of the problem. Turn conflict into creative tension. The situation is already changing. This is a beautiful inspiration, literally made in heaven this time. What you do now will add elegance and beauty to life. It inaugurates a wonderful new time. Be resolute. You are connected to a creative force. And it ends here with a bit of a warning. You have turned this time into a trial of strength or sexual prowess. This is not a serious mistake. In fact, it may be necessary, but it does leave you quite confused about what things are all about. Let this confusion return you to the way. Don't be afraid to act alone. You are coupled with a creative force. The questions to ask, what would be an adequate response to this new energy? How far could this change go? How far will you let it go? It all moves to hexagram seven, which is known as the army. Hexagram seven, some of the ideas around it are organize, mobilize, lead. It has to do with armies, soldiers, master craftsmen, martial arts masters, discipline, power, and the site of creative transformation. The hexagram shows serving through an inner willingness to take risks. In the middle of the earth, there is a stream. Something significant is returning. Be open to it. A confused crowd of things all arguing with each other surrounds you. This is not a pleasant situation. It will take concern and care to correct it. Try to give each thing its proper place. Support and sustain what is beneath or outside your normal value structure. It contains a great undeveloped potential you can accumulate and nourish. Don't simply impose your will. Find what you need by taking risks and confronting obstacles through a desire to serve. This activates a central ruling principle that people will spontaneously adhere to. It generates meaning and good fortune by releasing transformative energy. It is exactly what is needed in the present situation. If I was going to foreshadow, you know, it would look like maybe things aren't so pretty on the outside, but we're connecting into our inner voice and using that decision-making process, the artistic sense of the decision-making process and making good decisions and aligning properly so that we can join forces. That's what that army symbolizes. So we can find the people that we can act with in order to make the changes that we want to see in the world, big, small, and anywhere in between. So we've got this coming to meet, which if this was giving us information about the future, it would be like, celebrate the solstice, do something that feels fun, enjoy your people, enjoy your food, have a party, sit by a fire, uh, do something that celebrates, that feels like the coupling for you, which is 
I mean, you can think about it just as plain old sex. That's fine too. Have sex, (laughs) do something like that. But I really feel like it's so much more about preparing for and thinking about solstice time. So enjoy this next two week cycle. It sounds like there is celebration due to you. Can you feel that a little bit? A little bit of your life maybe opening up uh, ways that you can be close to people. And I'm feeling that this summer, actually. This is the summer I think that I've been waiting for a little bit. I thought that 2021 summer was going to be nice, and then it wasn't. And then I thought 2022 summer was going to be nice, and it was okay. But I still felt a lot of um, stilted feelings around what I could do, what I had access to. And so this summer feels like a little bit of a return to being able to make some choices and feel good about gatherings, going out, restaurants, all the stuff. So I hope that you are feeling good about celebrating and you're finding ways that that will work for you. Using the I Ching as part of this podcast is interesting to me because I love the I Ching, but it doesn't always make sense to everyone. And I'm not expecting all of you that listen to me to start to have a relationship with the I Ching. I have this book by John Cage. It's a book of lectures and writings by John Cage. It's called Silence. And I came upon this. One of the things that is important to practice when you have a relationship with the I Ching is asking a good question. And he has this lecture called communication. This is his words. The following text is made up of questions and quotations. The quotations are some from the writings of others and some from my own writings. The order and quantity of the quotations were given by chance operations. No performance timing was composed. I'm just going to read a little excerpt of it just to throw in the idea of questions. Asking a good question gives you a good answer. Good questions lead to good decisions. Good decisions lead to good art. Is there such a thing as silence? Even if I get away from people, do I still have to listen to something? Say I'm off in the woods. Do I have to listen to a stream babbling? Is there always something to hear? Never any peace and quiet. If my head is full of harmony, melody, and rhythm, what happens to me when the telephone rings? To my peace and quiet, I mean. And if it was European harmony, melody, and rhythm in my head, what has happened to the history of, say, Javanese music, with respect, that is to say, to my head? Are we getting anywhere, asking questions? Where are we going? Is this the 28th question? Are there any important questions? How do you need to cautiously proceed in dualistic terms? Do I have two more questions? And now, do I have none? I don't know how to easily knit that into the rest of the podcast. This is a small little package that I want to unwrap a little bit later. 
I keep wanting to talk about how to ask good questions because that's an essential part of playing with the I Ching, but it's an essential part of playing with our own access to a divination or let's take that off the table. It's important to our own way of accessing our inner wisdom. So we could just take the I Ching or any other form of divination out of it. We often have a way of accessing answers that we don't know on the surface of things. So I'm going to leave you with this. How do we ask a good question? Let's talk about that later. Thank you so much for being here with me, for taking the time, for being my listener. I appreciate it so much. I do love to hear from you, by the way. I really, really love it. It is a little self-indulgent to just sit here and talk and talk and talk. But sometimes there's that part of it where I release it off into the world and then these little seeds come floating back at me from you and I just can't describe well enough, I think, how beautiful it is to hear from you and know that in this odd sort of way, we're having a conversation. It's really special. If you enjoyed this podcast, please like and follow me wherever you're listening to the podcast. It helps me so much. I have decided to add add revenue into the podcast. So whenever you listen, you are helping support me. If you'd like to support me in other ways, you can find me on Patreon at patreon.com slash watermoonstudios. You can support me in other ways. There are so many ways to do that. You can listen to me, talk to me, send me questions. Feel free to send me money if you want to support me that way too. It's all helpful and keeps me happily going along in this process of podcast making. Thanks so much. Bye for now.